I'm in Max, Max, Max. You are listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello, and welcome to Season 27, Episode 14 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. I'm Stork. And I'm Kurt. And, uh, we, we weren't here last Friday. No. I was tired. Uh, in this episode of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, Axel writes in about intelligence as a stat. It's kind of a, uh, uh, uh revisiting. Uh, Andreas writes in about games... With a command structure, and Joe Crack chimes in on safety tools. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We're on the social medias, happyjacksrpg, all one word, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and MeWe. And if you would like to watch the show live, watch the show at 6.59 p.m. Pacific time at happyjacks.org slash live. And you can see our faces as we talk. Why you want to do that, I don't know. For what it's worth. Uh, intelligence as a stat reloaded from Axel. Hello, Stu and crew. To add to the recent is intelligence a stat discussion, here's a point that wasn't really touched. Uh, on the meta level, for us as humans, it's quite easy to dream about things we'd like to be able to do or achieve. It's much harder to ignore skills and abilities we actually have. For example, Playing a character that is blind or deaf or unable to speak is very hard if you as a player are not. Along the same lines, playing a dumb character when you're intelligent is also difficult. On the other hand, playing a character that is ridiculously strong or that can do magic? Not a problem. Your imagination works just fine with that. In one of the groups I play with, I'm the only person that does not hold a PhD in a scientific field. Oh, jeez. We have we have we have been in parties like that at your house. I don't I don't know I don't <laughs> have a lot of intelligent friends. I, I I know a couple doctors, not very many, not enough to fill up a table of, at a game. I don't think. Uh, well, it, doesn't Bruce have a PhD? No, master's. I don't think so. No. Okay. No. He has a master's. Oh, believe me, if he had a PhD, we would know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's got he's got a tattoo of his master's. That's <laughs> right. Have you seen my, right next to my PhD? Yeah, you're right. We never let us. Know. It's like, how do you know if a singer has perfect pitch? Don't worry, they'll, they'll fucking you. tell you. <laughs> um, uh, for example, okay. On the other hand, playing characters PhD in a scientific field. Imagine my joy when the PhD GM'd, GM presented a PhD level puzzle. With me as the intelligent mage having no clue how to even start approaching it. The puzzle That's just that's just mean. It is man. that's just mean, knowing full well. That's targeting. Yeah. <laughs> the puzzle was solved in the end by a player with a PhD in physics playing a dumb fighter. This can all be avoided if you follow the Happy Jack's mantra of create the problem, not the solution. Why problem make when you no problem have? Um, I hate real puzzles, quote-unquote real puzzles, uh, that need one real solution. Also in quotes. He's emphatic about that. Uh, I want the characters to be able to find whatever solution works for them. So, intelligence is a stat if the game you're playing has it. If your task, it's your task as the GM to find the line between R-O-L-L-S roles and R-O-L-E-S roles that yeah. works for your group. In that, in that regard, intelligence is much like charisma or other social stats. Axel, can't afford a PS. I don't know what you guys talked about on this, but yeah, oh, yeah. I, it, it is it is definitely a problem. Like, and, and that's when you need to make a good dice check. Like, yeah. you're smart enough, you figured it out. Here you go. I think the original yeah. the original thing was about whether or not intelligence should be considered a stat, and it absolutely should. Um, I mean, part of the reason that we play these games is to play someone other than ourselves. If we are limited to our own intelligence, I, Jib has brought this up on numerous occasions. It is hard to play someone dumber than you are. It is impossible to play someone smarter than you are. Well, you need to you, oh, to do the <laughs> latter. You have to rely on game mechanics. Exactly. Yeah. You're gonna have to. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, uh, yeah. I mean, and if you're if you're allowed to use the dice to 
do something physical that you physically could not do in the real world because this is tabletop gaming and not the SCA or something, um, then you know you should be allowed to use the dice to determine whether you should be able to mentally or socially do something that uh, you your you your character you your person self could not do in the real world. You know, there, you're right. There is a dual double standard there, or there used to be. But you know, I you know, can I hit it? Yes. You know, roll some dice, swing your sword. It's like, well, how, can I can I outthink it or outriddle it? Uh, I don't know. Can you? Well, see, here's yeah. where I disagree. You tell with me you. what the riddle is. Like, no, yeah, no, 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 no. I want to roll some dice. No, that's not how that works. This is where Stu and I very much disagree. Yeah, this is where I disagree because it's a role playing game. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not a roll dice game. It's a. It, you do roll dice, but it's a role playing game. You, you are role playing. So when you have a social encounter with someone, that is an opportunity to role play. I don't necessarily disagree with that. I'm not necessarily saying that you can't put put game mechanics in it when it's necessary. Like, yeah, sure, sure. But I mean, but I, to I, I would become awfully bored with a game if every time the players go to talk to someone, can I roll to see if I can convince them to do this thing? No. No, you, well, you will eventually, but how are you going to approach them for it? You know what I mean? Because I mean, you you require the same thing with combat. I do. No one gets yes. to make a tactics roll to make to say I want to see I want well <laughs> I I, I want to be in the best position because I don't know fucking no tactics and this, my, I'm not my character, so I want to know I want to make a roll so you'll put me in the best position for this fight. <laughs> Some games have a tactic skill though that that yeah. has it, added but it ne- but almost never does that. And you, people never use it. Is no. yeah. my, my experience. Traveler has a tactics skill, and it gives you like a little tactics. bump to your, uh, to your initiative. initiative yeah, Savage Worlds does too. Yeah, yeah. And what I will do in in those cir- those circumstances, I will just, uh, especially considering um, gaming remotely via you know everybody's on Zoom or whatever, um, that I will I will aid. If they ask me, you know, what uh, what is the tactical, or they don't actually say what is a tactical advantage here. They just sort of say, I want to put a spell such and such that it encompasses these people. And I'll say, okay, well, it would probably need to go here in order to do that. And it's like, okay. What they have done is they said, I want to attack. I want to cast this spell. I want to do it in such a way that it affects these people. Okay, great. Right. And similarly, if, if, they were, if they're doing a social encounter... Then you know I want to, uh, you know, approach this person. I want to seduce, or I want to uh, intimidate. How are you going to intimidate them? I'm going to uh, walk in like I own the place and uh, pretend that I have orders from their direct superior. You know that kind of thing. That is a how. And now we have parameters along which to judge whether those dice work. Sure, it would be better if they just had a conversation, though. I mean, <laughs> yes. No, I, I understand. There are play, there are people who aren't are, aren't interested in playing that way, but I, I or, certainly am. Or just aren't adept at it yet. New role players, oh, sure. are, are very timid about that kind of thing. Or there's um, there's mechanical like if you're playing a bard character and you dumped a bunch of things into persuade and all that. There's a mechanical advantage attached to you rolling dice in oh, those sure. situations that you don't get if you're trying to bullshit your way out of it physically. Yeah. It's it's a slippery slope, and there there needs to be a balance. You know, yeah. I, I I agree with both of you, but but depending on the system, and then depending on the situation, whether you can talk your way out, talk your way past the guard, or you talk your way, or or you roll roll dice past the guard, or maybe you talk for a little bit and then roll dice. I mean, there needs to be. It's I think every situation is going to be different. Yeah, I I would I would very much prefer, and would encourage my players to have the conversation, at least initiate a conversation first. And then, you know, if it comes to a point where it's like, okay, I really, either I'm not comfortable, like, this needs to be a seduction scene. However, I'm not comfortable seducing my GM. You know, um, I mean... Neither is the GM. (laughs) (laughs) Not necessarily. The game I'm I'm currently running, my little sister is one of the players. <laughs> All right, we, neither of us are going to be comfortable with that kind of an interaction. So, <laughs> I mean, that's just, yeah, exactly right. So, at a certain point, now, 
granted, in the, that's a, maybe a bad example because she's playing a, a, a male dwarf barbarian who has a charisma of like four. So <laughs> this is deliverance of dwarves. Hey. <laughs> What's I, wrong um, with having a charisma of four? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I played uh, one, of, one of the first characters I played, not the very first, but one of the first characters I played um, uh, was a, knowing me, it was a vampire character, and he had an int of five on a five-dot scale. And I, I'm not that smart. <laughs> it's like, I, my character should be able to solve this this conundrum, but, and I don't mean like just a, like a, a word puzzle or something like that. I mean like uh, how to sort out the the vagaries of this situation. My character should be able to figure that out, but I'm not that smart. So well, I mean, no, was it this more, like a moral conundrum? No. Oh, okay. All right. No, a moral the... conundrum would be a different thing. Right. But this was a sort of I don't know that much about organic chemistry, and that's what I'm ah, trying to solve. Okay, <laughs> so got it. But my character is a doctor, so so it's real similar to the way this the, this letter is phrased in as well. It's a, it's I, a similar situation. I was trying to bring it back. Yeah, and see what you did there. <laughs> I, I there is no easy solution really, and maybe some systems are, are more towards it. And I agree completely that I loved that that role but that's when the game gets interesting is when you see two people square off or a person square off and try to talk his way out of a situation or something that's when it's fun but sometimes you know you you just want to like it's like my character is has an 18 charisma and has all these these persuasion skills why can't I use roll the dice instead of you're making me talk and move on, but um, then there's people like you. It's like I don't want to roll dice. I'd rather I talk. No, yeah, <laughs> die if we start rolling dice. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, thank you, Axel, for the email. Uh, next is uh, games with command structures from Andreas in Sweden. Who would like to oh, read I this? Can read that one. That's mm. fine. All right. Games with command structure from Andreas in Sweden. Hi, Stu and the crew. I sometimes make notes while listening to an episode thinking I want to comment upon something said or expand upon a point. Now I have a note about 2708 about a, uh, farm, a farming skill. I have no idea what it was you were talking about there. Anyway, I have a topic I think might have been covered before, but I think it might be worth revisiting because we have all forgotten it by now. Free League Publishing has published a game based on the Aliens movies, mm-hmm. as many of you probably know. They've also started developing a new Twilight 2000 game, and both of these are similar in some aspects. Namely, that they are games where there's a command structure in place. I've not run many, any, games with the command structure, and I know being bossed around is not fun, especially by your fellow PCs. The same thing can be a problem in other games like... Uh, Legend of the Five Rings. Yeah, Legend of the... F- Five rings, yeah, or vampire. If there's a command structure in place, if we skip the obvious way, declare praxis, how do you work within the limitations and many possibilities of games with a command structure? Is it different when there's military rank involved, like Twilight or Alien? Uh, I think it could be fun to hear your experiences and ideas on the subject. Hang in there, stay safe, stay sane. Cheers, Andreas in Sweden. I, I think that this is almost two different discussions, I think. Mm-hmm. One is, if the hierarchy w- exists within the party, mm-hmm. is an entirely different animal from if the, the hierarchy exists outside of the party. Like, the party... Oh. Like, if you're talking about, like... Uh, well, in a, in a vampire game where you've got the hierarchy and no one within the party has any, like, position within the within the city they're all equals among themselves that's a very different thing than a hierarchy where you know, the party is a, a, like a military unit and there's a sergeant and a corporal and two privates you know what i mean uh, this yeah and i'm not sure i don't which is he asking about well i, I mean i mean it kind of kind of yeah. blend in in vampire for sure like you know obviously the the ventru is going to take charge but but again, maybe not. Maybe maybe it's a it's a much more warlike game, and so the gangrel takes charge, or the or the bruja. But I, I can see that certainly some games, certain characters, their 
archetype is built towards leadership roles or command roles, like Ventru. Um, and, and definitely with military things. I'm trying to think of a game. I guess we've played a couple military games, too, that you ran. And yeah, the, I ran I ran a con game which was like Vietnam American Vietnam soldiers in Vietnam that find a cave that leads to a, like a like a underground drow city. And then I also ran the big blue monkeys from outer space, which is also a command oh, yeah. structure within. Oh yeah. That, that was, was actually, actually built to exploit that kind of I was actually just watching, rewatching the because I don't know it came up on my feed. The uh, the one shot that we did uh, of uh, uh, Vast Dominions with uh, Stork was in that game and uh, playing Captain Dash Derringer, right? And uh, we were going after the. <laughs> 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 I can't remember. Oh, that was when I when I there was that goofy ass hamamamamam. Humuamua. Humuamua. That was it. It, it was the. Yeah. It was the the cigar shaped asteroid. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And so we were going to investigate said, uh, but it was of course called Mwaha. Right. But yeah, there was there was very much a command structure there, and oh, yeah. it was a competing command structure because there was the American command structure and the British command structure. Right. And we had two captains, and it was sort of a well, who's captain right now, and who's captain on board the ship, and. Exactly. Uh, a lot of lot of lot of uh, intentional uh, uh, conflict there yeah, with, within the command structure. And and that game, I don't know if that would sustain itself for a campaign. But that game, it would. I mean, that, the whole thing with the big blue monkeys and the the NPCs that I made for that really leans into the the, uh, the command structure within a, a, a party. Well, sure. To the point where. There's, it's not just the, it's not just a matter of that there's that there's a captain of the ship. There's actually two captains. One is the captain of the ship, but the other one still is the same rank. And also, both of those characters had almost identical skill sets. Yeah, of course. So they could both. The, the idea was that, they, that there would almost immediately be a, a rivalry between those two captains, and then the rest of the players. And the way it, the way those games usually ended up working is. At one level or another, the two captains would sit and bicker with each other while everyone else would solve the problem, and without them even <laughs> noticing it was happening. And that happened fairly frequently. That was, and that's kind of the way that that I mean, I, I didn't build it intentionally with that in mind, but that's kind of the way the, the best solution in that kind of situation. Well, uh, there was a lot of talks of mutiny too. Once the yes, right. Other, yeah. But I mean, the thing is, if you've got a situ a game that is a campaign where you have a player character in the party that outranks the other players you got to be really careful how well, that situation is going to be is going to is going to play out you know what i mean i've watched i've watched the star trek actual plays that we've had i've watched a couple of them and they seem to go pretty well but again everybody's pretty honors the star trek tradition right so you you know with adam as the captain and all of the other people they all seem to fall into place and Nobody, nobody threatened mutiny, as far as I know. I, maybe in, I didn't get that far. In in Star Trek, there's very little pulling of rank, though. I mean, people just generally respect uh, the the command structure, but they respect the people in those in those positions. They've earned their position. They weren't. They didn't. You know, right. weren't born into it. They, they, it was a meritocracy kind of thing, and. Um, you respect the captain not just because he's captain, but because he's he is who he is, right? Um, in a and and that's something I think peculiar to the Star Trek uh, setting, um, because as Stu has frequently pointed out, almost everyone's an officer anyway. Um, they almost they, they, in the regular old series. I don't think there there was ever anyone who was enlisted. Oh, Lowest yeah, rank you ever saw was an ensign. Yeah, well, yeomans, uh, but uh, yeomen who were usually the red shirts who died on the away. Right, I was right. To say anybody yeah. the red shirt was enlisted and died. Right, yeah, um, you know, and you had you had a uh, 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 chief Miles O'Brien who was a chief petty officer on both right. uh, Next Generation right. and DS Nine. Um, but yeah, almost everybody else is is an officer. Uh, 
but I, I've played in a couple of military setting games, but they've all been one shots. Um, and I, I think I think you're right that a campaign would result in some probably some uh, interplayer um, friction. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, it's the same thing as you guys have talked about at fair, right? I mean, you you two and I at fair, we play middle class sort of people. Um, we're, we're but we're you know we're we're scum of the earth. We're we're troubadours. We're bards. We're musicians. And um, then somebody who comes over from court, you know, who's playing a noble, it's like I I know you. You're not a noble person, or you know, not of that kind of nobility. But you come over and you get to lord it over me for you know and we lean minutes. in but we lean into it we bow and scrape and yeah, yeah and muddle around five, yeah for five minutes it's fine sure for five minutes it's fine but a long campaign that starts to grate on you um uh and and it it, it that that false hierarchy starts to get starts to mess with your head well it's the, the, it's like the once a season, maybe once every other season, the queen will come to one of our shows and stay for like two or three songs. Extremely disruptive thing for yeah. the show. Right. Um, if it were to happen every day, I would talk to management about it. <laughs> <laughs> I would say like, yeah. um, we're trying to do a show and we don't want to have to do the thing with the hats and the, and the military. Right. Really an environmental area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here and oh yeah, no, because uh, uh, you guys didn't have to deal with this. Uh, we usually had uh, a, a stage show that would be interrupted by her parade. Oh, I love the. I used to love day. those days. Oh, we, day. Yeah, we had that. Day. We had but to have anyway. that happen all the time. Oh yeah, anyway. we we went but through that. This is this is not the, the, the this is not what we're complaining no. about here. But um, I, with regards to that that false hierarchy, the, you know, the, your, the players start to get this this mess with your head kind of thing. Um, there was a bit when they were when they were filming Master and Commander, Far Side of the World. Uh, the the director, uh, uh, Peter Weir and Russell Crowe, came up with this idea. When people showed up the first night, they were all given rank insignia patches, a tank top, a t shirt, and a long sleeve t shirt, and told the first night they had to sew their rank insignia badges on their shirts. And Marines had red shirts, and uh, uh, officers had blue shirts, and uh, the, the regular enlisted seamen had uh, um, had white shirts. And while they were filming, unless they were, you know, when they were doing rehearsals and training and everything like that, learning how to actually you know, sail a ship, they were all wearing these uniforms, and it was amazing how quick people broke up into these cliques based on their on their rank, rank right on their rank i mean they weren't even they're in character yet they weren't even they're you know saying their lines yet they but they were already just people click people people click off into into hierarchies and it can really mess with your head and if that's not what you want at your table then maybe don't run a military hierarchy game there's a but the, i mean very, it can be very difficult or you got to or you got to bring in a certain amount of check in every so often well we had a i ran a traveler game and it was it was mongoose traveler first edition and dave ca dave wanted to make a character from the merchant prince expansion book you make a character from the merchant prince expansion book chances are at some point you're going to have a character who's got a really high social status and his social status was like, I think he was an arch, yeah. archduke or yeah, archduke or it might have been like a a, a distant uh, member of the imperial family. It was super high. It was like fifteen or fourteen. It yeah. was really high. Yeah, you actually had to tweak some of the game. You I were had like, the I whole game. The whole you be related. To the, to the yeah, empire. The, the whole game had I had to rework the entire premise of the entire game for, for that character. But one of the things that that 
we never really needed to have sort of a pregame discussion about that. Although Dave did warn me when he when he started to make the character, he's like, "It is entirely possible, and I may end up making a duke or an archduke." And he was right. So we, what we decided was that his character was the heir to the archduke, who was the archduke of a whole different sector, and he was on the run. So that was what we came up with as to why he would be out here with a bunch of miscreants. Um, but the one of the things that that sort of worked itself out, but I can see there would be situations where it would not. Dave's a very easygoing person. So he is totally willing to play the sort of bumbling noble who is, you know, has, has this very haughty, commanding air about him and gives people orders and then turns around and expects the things will just get done the way he says they, they should get done. Yeah, and very false, but, yeah. but, a little, but a little too oblivious to actually notice that people are doing whatever the fuck they want. And that's kind of the, and that was sort of the, the uh, the dynamic that developed at the table. But I think if you're going to have a situation, and that's not quite the same as a military structure, but it's similar because, like, the party were all employees of his ship. This is what is the premise we came up with because he actually owned, he had enough money to actually buy a freaking starship, and. And and so if you sit down with the players beforehand and say, okay, here's the dynamic. How are we going to handle this dynamic? Because it is n- not fun to play a character that you don't get to d- determine what you do. <laughs> yeah. Especially yeah. for over a long period of time. A little bit here and there might make for an interesting story, but having to sit and follow orders all day long is going to get really freaking boring and frustrating. It's also hard on the person leading, too. I remember Kenny talking about how exhausting it was to play the Ventrue and be in charge and tell people oh, what when to she do. Oh, Lord, when she was Lord of the Island, yeah. Right. And she's like, oh, I got all these things I need to worry about. And it's like, and it suddenly, she was like almost relieved when it killed her character off. Yeah, she was. <laughs> and, and as much as she she was trying to role play, she also wanted to be fair because, like you just said, she could very easily take away your player agency saying... I'm the lord of this island, you go do this, or I will have you killed or you exiled, right? Right. But she's a good enough player. It's like, although that's completely in keeping in character with the lord of the island as a venture, it's not, it does not for a good game make. Well, I mean, also, in a vampire especially, it's like, what you do and say to your immediate superior prince, lord, whatever, and what you leave and actually go and do don't have to be the same thing. No, no, that's true. <laughs> In fact, you just yes. got to make it look like it was the same thing, which yeah, I mean, yeah. and and we had uh, Tim was playing a character who was as obsequious as any character could possibly be when he was in Adrian's presence, but when he was out of it, he was doing whatever the fuck he wanted. <laughs> so I mean, but everyone, every, I think everyone has to kind of figure out what that, how that dynamic is going to work in the in the game, especially if it's a campaign. If it's a one-shot, I don't think it really matters that much. But in a long-term campaign, I think that's an important important um, conversation to have. It, it didn't... It wasn't explicitly stated, but I think that's why in the uh, the pirate game that, um, that Jib ran, that I was in on the stream, and now I'm blanking on what it was called, The Spaniard's Ghost. Yeah. Uh, 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 we elected... We chose during character creation. None of us would be captain. Right. The captain would be an NPC, and it happened to be Bill Roper. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we there was still a command structure because we had first mate, we had quartermaster, we had uh, a, you know doctor, and I was you know low on the pecking order uh, as just like not even an able seaman, just a seaman, <laughs> um, which was, you know, that, that's always fun Just to Just a little say, stain. So. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it, it, one, of the, one of the comments from the chat actually was uh, everybody pretty much has to be on board if you're going to do this kind of a hierarchical thing yeah. from the get-go. Uh, an alternative option is uh, an NPC hires the, uh, the player characters as consultants. Mm-hmm. And so now you're you're not you're not staff sergeant and corporal and and you know you're specialists. Well, that's right. how Stu solved it with his last traveler game. Is that we were all sort of ex-military, all retired, 
and now we're hired on as a sort of a, a specialist or you know uh, contractors, <laughs> right? And 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 a lot of these things uh, you like if you if you see it in in movies or television, the command structure is either automatically is so often automatically uh, uh, followed except in points of tension where it's like, that's an order kind of thing. Right. Or it's just ignored. Uh, I mean, you think about the uh, Battlestar Galactica, right? They The, the, the newer version, because I never watched the old one. Uh, but, you know... Oh, you're missing sort of some 1980s gold, man. 70s, yeah. Was exactly. it the 70s? Uh, I guess yeah, it was. Yeah, 70s. I don't remember. But, uh, you know, the, the, the command structure there is just sort of understood i mean to the point where spoilers when an actual admiral shows up commander adama is like i have to follow her commands she's i was the highest ranking officer in the fleet and now i'm not so say we all so say we all exactly now you compare that for instance to uh another classic 80s uh, which there there was a command structure but it was pretty much ignored and that is the a-team yeah you had colonel john hannibal smith you had uh, Lieutenant, or you had Captain Howland Mad Murdoch. You had Lieutenant Templeton Peck, and you had Sergeant B. A. Baracus. Mm-hmm. And they would sometimes refer to each other, or usually Hannibal would refer to the others as Lieutenant, Captain, Sergeant. Um, but it was, it's like okay, you know that none of you are in the army anymore. You know that this is just your your soldiers of fortune. This is really just. I'm I'm either referring you to you out of, by your former rank out of respect, or I'm referring to you by your former rank to get the point across that no no this is how it needs to be done. Right. But other than that, it was just four guys, you know. You know. The- then there was Gilligan's Island, right, where everybody uh, would just defer to Gilligan, the fool, <laughs> or the professor. Yeah. The captain never did anything. No, 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 no. Skipper. Skipper, skipper, yeah. Well, exactly. it was the, the captain. Right? The, uh, yeah, now, no, absolutely. Another interesting thing, and this came up during the first, especially during the the first couple of L5R games I ran, is when the authority figure is outside of the party. Especially in, a, in L5R, is very stringent hierarchy. And as long as the party wasn't around their daimyo, everyone was really on tiptoes and being careful and only doing what they were supposed to be doing and and really not taking much initiative on their own until they were away from the daimyo. Once they were away, then they could do whatever they want. And it usually ended up being a much a much more interesting session when they were sessions where they weren't in the capital where their daimyo was and weren't under the, their thumb. And especially with L5R because it's there's so many rituals involved in that culture anyway that you were just you, you were had to make sure that you were doing everything correctly from dressing right to you know saying the right thing to the right people to, to you know chewing with your mouth closed all these all these social mores that were involved with every little thing that you did in life there the just being back in town was so controlled. Yeah, that, but, it, the, it took me a long time to realize that you got to get the play, especially in L five R. You got to get the players away from their daimyo because when when the whole time they're there, they really can't. They don't really don't have. I mean, they, they always have total player agency, but they really kind of don't if they're being quote unquote good samurai. They have player agency. They don't have character agency. Right. 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 All right. Anything else on this or? Thank you. Uh, I hope I hope we actually answered. The I think we did. I think we did. Uh, thank you, Andreas from Sweden. Uh, safety tools revi- revisited from Joe Crack. We'd like to read this. I'll take it. Nope. And then hey, after Stu. that, we'll talk about your. Um, oh, okay. Your yeah, sure. Uh, hey, Stu and the crew. Joe Crack from the various things here, and I've enjoyed hearing some of the discussion regarding safety tools. And while I don't think there is an easy universal solution, I do think the public X card actually works better than just privately notifying the GM. Like, if you notify the GM you are uncomfortable with a specific thing, let's say spiders, then the GM knows, and that's great. 
but that doesn't let other players know that they also should not bring up spiders. If you let the table know, which, yes, can totally be difficult, but then everyone knows a specific topic is off-limits and unwanted. If a player then knowingly ignores that trigger, then that person gets kicked out of the table-slash-group because they are intentionally trying to upset another player. Anyway, hope y'all are well. That was from Joe Crack. My, my response to that would be the GM can let the players know, hey... Someone at the table has a problem with this thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm yeah. talking about st- stuff that's more personal and more serious than I have a phobia of spiders, obviously. Well, I, I mean, mean, we're talking yeah. about real serious shit, right? Right. And well, that, uh, stuff that, that I people may I not... wouldn't discount phobias. Okay. Uh, uh, true, true phobias. Okay. True phobias. Uh, we, not, we had a right. we, we had a we had a vampire game that was uh, uh, set in. Victor- no, uh, Regency London, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, Regency era London, and um, oh, one clothes. of the players has a phobia, not not just a, like a, an uncomfortable witness, a phobia of rodents, of, of rats and mice specifically. That probably doesn't have a problem with rabbits, but or chipmunks, but rats and mice. We couldn't mention rats and mice in. The, like in character, out of character at all, without her getting extremely upset. She had no problem with spiders. Um, I was playing a gangrel in that game, and <laughs> if I'm trying to like find out what's going on, I'm going to use my animalism and summon a whole bunch of oh, uh, hmm. voles. Well, it won't be rats then. Uh, Could you just say rodent at least? That help? <laughs> uh, well, I in general, I I, oh, I, can, I forgot a couple of times. I, I genuinely forgot a couple of times, and I was reminded gently, oh, yeah, right, sorry. And, you know, I wasn't kicked out of the game. Um, but, you know, it was that was that was one of those, you know, we talk about lines and veils. That was one of those lines that I wasn't supposed to cross, and I, I, I didn't mean it maliciously. I just effing forgot. Um, and that, I mean, that happens. I mean, yeah, in, sure. in, our, exactly. in our, our Call of Cthulhu game, Dave has a thing about with eyeballs Uh and and i totally forgot about it he actually he mentioned it because it happened in game and then i totally forgot about it and something else happened oh and i'm like immediately like oh shit i forgot i'm sorry because i mean you aren't gonna forget but i mean so they but i mean when i when when i when i mentioned phobias what i was talking about is the fact that i I, there's a lot of people who 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 are self-diagnostic Self-diagnostic oh, yeah, yeah. no, you, know, you know what I'm talking people about. People who call it a phobia, but it's not. It's, it's right. not really a phobia. Right. So, um, but I mean, if someone's got a real serious issue about something, and they don't, I mean, especially if you're playing someplace and you don't know all the players, or maybe even if you do know all the players, you just don't want to talk about it in front of them. I mean, and, yeah, and sure. I don't think you should be forced to. And 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 that that's the that is my issue with the X card is that it it does you do have to obviously you're not going to sit and have a big long discussion about it, but you do have to acknowledge something that maybe you don't even really want to acknowledge in front of people that you maybe don't know very well or it's just something you're not comfortable or not in a place where you feel comfortable divulging whatever that is. Yeah. Right. So and the GM can always have your back for that something like that. It's like like if because I mean, the the few times that someone has X carded not on table but like tex- texted me or something, it's been like boop. I just move the move the story away from that. If someone were to move it back, what I I would do one of two things. I would either text them and say, hey, that's kind of been X carded, so let's avoid that, or I just say it, hey, we're going to avoid this topic. You know, and that way. It's let it's letting you're, you're letting people decide whether or not they're comfortable divulging that information or not. So I mean, I, while what he's saying makes sense, I still think that you can do what he's talking about doing. It's it's just more more work for the GM. I yeah I I, I don't think it has to be an either or. No. I, I I think I think having the public X card there is is useful, and then also just and and it's. I'm sure you are aware it's much harder to use in a remote play kind of an oh, sure. online game kind of situation. Um, so uh, having that, you know, just message the GM or slide them a note or just tap them on the arm if you're actually around a table one of these days, then you know that 
uh, is also an option. And yeah, it should be up to the GM as the moderator of the game to not just steer his his or her own um, uh, uh, narrative, but also steer the game as a whole away from that topic. Right. Right. I even know as as a player, if somebody slaps an X card. I, I feel awful. I feel awkward. And then I can't ever not unthink that whenever I see that person. You know, like, oh, there's something that happened to them that made them. And it, so now everybody knows, and the person has exposed themselves, you know. Or it, it, it's, it can be really, really awkward, you know. It's, it can. I would uh, rather have It's bad enough to just tell one person, but at least you're only telling the one person, and then you're not having to, to lay yourself bear in front of a bunch of strangers. And yeah, I, I, I completely agree. There was a, a game I was in. The last time we had a convention, like a real like, in a hotel convention, um, I, I was in a game with a bunch of people I knew and some people I didn't, and there was a point where I got very uncomfortable, and that n- unwillingness, that personal unwillingness to expose my own frailties kept me from tapping the X card, which was on the table. And right, and then even if I, you... I wish that I, I wish that I had. And but if you it, did, then me as another player would be looking at Kurt going armed with that information now, knowing that there's this thing that happened in his past. It's it it's it's awkward for everyone, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I guess awkwardness cannot necessarily be avoided, but um there there can be uh ways of either mitigating or uh, uh recovering group recovering from it I, i'm not uh, that's not the right word i'm i'm, I'm not using uh, uh, i'm not using my thesaurus properly um but uh i don't know Safety tools are flawed, really, and there is no real perfect example. I mean, Stu really does have sort of the most ideal solution, which is you tell the the DM, and then the GM, through various machinations, can steer the story and or tell the players, hey, we're just moving away from that. And that really is... Like you know, it's like talking to your therapist, and it's supposed to be confidential. But you know, and, and it's also I mean, it's also making a huge assumption that you have a GM who's really mature, or, or is yeah. mature at all. Yeah, <laughs> and that yeah. is not always necessarily the case. It's certainly not a. I don't think it's a it's a, a panacea in any way. But I mean, I I don't know the, the whole the the whole thing is, and we live in the age of technology when we should be able to come up with something that. That, that could anonymize that, I would think. Right. The little buzzers. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you, Joe Crack, for the email. Oh, and now to your bonus topic. Bo- right. I, should, so, I need to make a jingle. Uh, bonus topic. Bonus topic. We got a bonus topic. <laughs> uh, I, I will try to keep this brief. Um, so, um, most of what we talk about, obviously, on Half Jacks is tabletop games. Um, but there is, of course, that other aspect of role-playing out there, LARPing. The red-headed stepchildren of the role-playing game. <laughs> sure, whatever. They call us that too, I'm sure. You're, you're, you realize that two-thirds of the people on this call are LARPers, or at least were. I, hey, so. I, so was I. All right. So. I, got, I got called in principal's office in high school for running a killer game. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, yelled at too. So, so obviously, in this time of pandemic, um, the, the 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 jokes that first came out that were amongst the LARPers that I, I knew uh, were you know social distancing is easy to figure out just stay out of melee range, right? <laughs> right. I I understand what that distance means. If I could not possibly engage you with my you know, foam sword, then obviously staying out of melee range is a very easy mechanic to, to think of. But now we're seven months in, and there are a lot of LARPs that uh, haven't been able to do jack in seven months. And um, a couple of them, I know um, specifically 
Apocalypse 47 uh, is a LARP that has uh, done some uh, tabletop games in lieu of LARPing. They've sort of taken their, their characters from that and created tabletop uh, games to, to accommodate that. Um, uh, one of the, the LARPs that I've been involved with, uh, which is mostly a parlor LARP, that being AOKP, that Stork is also familiar with, um, since it's it's just basically people sitting around in a, a table talking anyway, that's been handled over Zoom actually fairly effectively. Um, one of the um, complications with that is you can't really have side conversations. Yeah, you can. I mean, you can. No, you can set up side rooms. You, you the, can, the guy, the guy uh, hosting it. Ha- you, I, I just you, looked into this. The guy hosting it has to has to enable them, but you can ha- you can set up side rooms that people can enter into and go out of. Okay, I, I've been hosting, and I haven't. Well, I haven't been hosting for for LARP yet, but um, I'm going to be hosting my f- first tomorrow night. Actually, um, you can't. And, you can't uh, access, I haven't figured out how to set up those side rooms yet. You, but can, I want you to, can't so. access the options for that in the in the Zoom software. At least not last time I looked. You have to actually log into your Zoom account on a web browser. Oh, okay. And there's a place in there where you can in, enable. I, I, they have a name for them: side rooms or th- th- something like that. Breakout rooms. Breakout. I think like they're that. called breakout rooms. And okay, you can go right. in and enable them, and then you have to. There's, there's different settings. So uh, it, yeah, I mean, it, you. I, I think Zoom is probably very well suited to hosting online LARPs. It, very it, well uh, suited. It, it seems to be. It seems to have been working fairly well. Um, but just sort of a a, a touch. You know, keep, keeping an eye on on the other aspects of our hobby and and how some people are using the same technology we use to get our our jobs done to get our our fun done as well. I mean, this the the tabletop is not the only way of doing this, and it's uh, still still haven't been to a, a boffer fight in in uh, seven months. Which you know, it's amazingly cathartic to beat your friends with a foam covered stick. Uh, so I was, I was just sitting here trying to think about how to how to combine these two, and I remember seeing uh, it was on YouTube years ago. Somebody made like a live action video game where somebody people would log in, mm-hmm. and then these text chats would come up, and and you know the person would give them a choice, and they would say you know do this, and so the live action person would get the gun and go over there, and then and it was like a, a first person shooter, but <laughs> the people were were real doing it that the person was telling them to do. It was really clever and really well done. It's really fun. You could probably check it out, but yeah, I, I suppose that the the larps that are out there that are nerf larps, where you're definitely staying far far enough away because you're shooting each other with nerf guns, um, could theoretically maybe still work in a social distancing world. Um, you don't want to chance it though. You don't want to chance it. At some point, you got to go gather your ammo and reload. And right, uh, 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 what is it? Uh, by Night Studios or, or whatever they call it, Mind's Eye Theater, whatever they call it, the, the LARP version of White Wolf, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, could actually still work because their LARP, or their their combat is all done via. Right. So, I mean, that can be done over Zoom just as well as it can be done in person. Maybe better. Uh, maybe. Because um, everyone so, can see it. Yeah. Well, this, well, I mean, it was usually take off. You know, it, you'd have a storyteller adjudicate. Kind of thing, um, but uh, yeah, I mean that those kinds of things could can still work. Um, it just a matter of adjusting for how uh, how how to how, how much you want it to work. I, I like the term parlor LARP too. So I mean, you could technically take a LARP and then just turn it into like as you say a a long sort of conversations and yeah. uh, meetings and. Uh, so it's a game of more policy making, and yeah, um, I mean most most white wolf larps are really parlor larps. Um, that the, the the terminology that I've heard most is you've got you've got parlor larps where it's a bunch of people in a in a room talking to each other. You've got boffer larps, which are a bunch of people hitting each other with foam covered sticks, um, and uh, there are theater larps as well, which are uh, a little bit. Renfair. Renfair, kind of, yeah, I mean, that, that's sort of, um, but, you know, very few are wholly one or the other thing. There's usually some amount of, of, uh, of, 
little column A, little column B. Um, but uh, yeah, just sort of that they do exist, and some of them are are still out there and actually still looking for new players. So, um, I wonder how they did it. I should probably check it out. But there's a a bunch of Broadway musicians have gotten together and they did basically a murder mystery musical, but it's all. It's uh, so a, a murder mystery musical. I have not for uh, there there. There's a uh, there's a straight play uh, <clears throat> that is one of the longest running straight plays off Broadway ever called Sheer Madness, and it is it is a murder mystery play where you you watch the first act and then in the second act they try to solve what happened with audience participation. <laughs> That's cool. Kind of, yeah, it's it's a good it's a good show. Well, I'm just saying that that is an interesting way to sort of make a live action LARP where everybody still has has a has a role to play because you're solving a mystery of some sort, and the template is out there. It, it, I'm sure it could be adapted in some way to make your parlor LARP interesting, where everyone's at home working on a you know a who done it. Sure. Yeah. There. Are, I mean, there are ways of doing it. It's just it's it's always about uh, uh, coming up with the creative solution. And that's pretty much always what role playing games are about, anyway. So. My kids are playing this game. It's a MMO. It's a it's a really simple one. Is it? I think it's called Among Us. Among Us, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's for those of you that for the five people out there that don't know what it is, it's uh, <laughs> get on there and and it's the thing, right? So somebody's an intruder or an, an imposter, and the rest are all real people, and then you have to figure out who it is. And it's it's very much alien. It's very much the thing. It's a very simple sort of game, and it's absolutely addictive and brilliant and again i think you could do something like that with a LARP, especially over zoom as well yeah i mean the, it, it's just you're right it just takes a little shift but i, I think these things could be handled really really well and it, you could even have somebody with a gopro on you know that you worked out with a storyteller running around and looking at things for people I, it, could, it, could, it could be really fun by the way the chat room is now trying to decide whether or not to vote you, Stork, as the imposter. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's nobody dead in the in the Well you did have a room you yet. did have a demon in your lap earlier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Damn flurkins. That's familiar. Alright. Alright, I'm gonna go go ahead and end it. Alright. What wow, not even an hour. Yeah Where they Thank you for joining us for season 27, episode 14, 14 of Happy Jerks RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. Stork. I'm Kurt. And we'll see you next week, 7 p.m. Pacific time, happyjacks.org slash live. Everyone stay safe and bye bye. Bye bye. is a hobby from Michigan to Australia and maybe East Timor. Be a dreadful of the Angry Folk Media Empire.